0: Welcome
1: to Pod for Teacher, I'm Aaron Fitzpatrick.
0: I'm Nate Langelli.
1: And I'm Krista Milanovic. Hi guys.
0: Hi K-Mills. Hey. How are you? I'm doing well, except I still have this crappy chair I'm sitting on and I'm not very oh, happy about it. Oh, you totally
1: do. I yeah, do. Yeah, we didn't do anything.
0: No, not no. a thing. Not a thing. But that's my own fault too, laziness. I could have swapped out chairs, I think.
1: You probably could have. I was in But here. then you forgot about it, because...
0: Yeah, I'm taking just... one for the team.
1: Okay. Yeah, whatever. Yours is... Uh, you have the nicest. Chair, Aaron. I wonder how that happened. It wasn't an accident. I believe that. I believe that. The captain's have you guys chair been? needs to be. <laughs> have you been the past month? Good. Good. Okay. Do you really?
0: Do you actually really care? You sincerely care about our well-being.
1: What does my face say?
2: It says yes. Okay, I then said, yes. I don't think I've seen you since the last pod.
1: <laughs> I don't think so either. Do you? Do you still work here? I, I, I think so. Okay. I Same. I see. They your haven't bar. cut
2: my paycheck
0: yet. <laughs> But no, life is good. We had a little bit of snow here in Western PA, for those of you, in our listening area. Pretty I know it's great. far and wide, so a lot of people might not know. We went sledding the other day. Did you?
1: I played in the snow. I did. Yeah. Full full snowsuit.
0: Uh, Fitz, did you pee in the snow? Uh, you saw that? <laughs> <laughs> I had my suspicions, but now we have confirmation. So. Oh, I can't with go. you too. Okay. Here we go. On that note. Yeah. <clears throat> For many entering the field of education, school safety was not one of the factors taken into account. Most of us thought about wanting to make a positive difference in the lives of students. We thought about the content, maybe that interests us. We assessed which age group we best connected with and made our decisions accordingly. School safety was most likely not even a consideration, and I can say it was not for myself personally when I was at school for becoming a teacher.
2: Even before, like, being, you know, before even you were old enough to think about what you're going to do with the rest of your life. As a student, did you ever even think about safety, safety at all okay. until certain events made it kind of right. like put it on a your radar Right. Correct. Correct.
1: So that brings us to our essential question of today's pod. How safe are schools and what can be done to make them safer? Our answers to those questions and a look at the research, plus our conversation on the topic with officer Tom Liberty, our school resource officer right here after this word from the police..
0: Welcome back. And before we jump into our serious topic, we were talking about food here and during the break,
1: and it's almost dinner.
0: K-, K Mills, you had a lovely idea that you just you did. You blew our minds. but like You said you would. I did. I uh, did. I, I was, and it's such, it's such a good idea. I figured our listening audience would like to hear what this idea is.
1: Okay, right. It's a, it's a little chilly. Sometimes we like some warm pasta Com- comfort style. Food, pa- yeah. Yes, yes, pasta. Yes. And I'm really not very good at making lasagna.
0: I don't believe I'm it.
1: I'm not. Okay. So, I'm not. Okay. I, I can't get those noodles to go. I try and buy the pre-cooked ones. It doesn't work out for me. So, I was sharing this discussion yesterday at dinner at my home and my mother-in-law and I were discussing the fact that we could make lasagna layered. Here it is. Here. Are you ready? Cheese ravioli. Could you do other raviolis too? Like I meat think you ravioli? Could. You could, you mushroom. Could, or lobster. Oh. All of a sudden, we're going to write, and then instead of the red sauce, we'd use the lobster cream sauce. It would be like, my oh goodness. my gosh, it would be amazing. Wow.
0: <sighs> All right, let's wrap this up so we can go eat. No, yeah, I, I like
1: it. Lasagna soup yeah. is yeah. for dinner tonight.
0: That's what I'm, yes, that's what we're having in our household, lasagna soup. I would like to try some. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I Sounds know where you good. live. Yes. Not in a creepy way. Yeah. No. <laughs> Neighborhood. I know where you We're live. neighbors.
1: Yeah, we are neighbors, yeah.
0: I thought you were going
2: to say you know where she lives in a creepy way.
1: <laughs> I don't know where you live in a non-creepy way. I do, kind of, but don't. I've never... Okay, I'm well, just kidding. That okay. makes
2: me
0: sad.
1: <laughs> and on that oh, note... All right, moving we on. <laughs> so, Welcome back. So,
0: school safety is often at the forefront of public consciousness. Since the tragedy at Columbine High School in 1999, school safety and security has taken center stage in the news and in politics on and off for the past 20 years. Unfortunately, it seems school shootings and violent incidents at schools appear to be more commonplace. When we hear about it in the news, it doesn't appear to jar the nation as a whole as much as it did in 1999. So what is being done to address this issue? So, before sharing our thoughts on it, here's a little bit of research concerning school safety in the United States. So first off, there's a report, with multiple reports actually, within the past year estimating that anywhere from two and a half to three billion dollars, it's billion with a B, is spent each year on school security, not including the money spent on campus security officers. And we'll be talking with ours a little later. We have things like automatic locking doors, video cameras, facial recognition software, metal detectors, staff training, active shooter drills, etc. And here's just some info. Let this sink in and see what you guys say. It's from the National Center for Education Stats statistics concerning the 2015-16 school year. So, they're saying that having controlled access to buildings during school hours, the percent of high schools that had that was close to 90%. They say 89.6%. Security cameras used to monitor the school, high schools, 94%, a little over 94.2%. Uh, required faculty and staff to wear badges or picture IDs in high schools was 60.6%. They also have ones for elementary and middle, kind of similar on those categories. The biggest discrepancy, I think, that I notice on the chart that you guys can see is random dog sniffs to check for drugs. High school is 62.3% and lower for middle school being in the 40% in elementary, much smaller than that. So there are a lot of security measures. A lot of schools are doing a lot of these things. And Kristen, I'm curious, what are your initial thoughts, reactions to these spending measures? Like we said, 2 to $3 billion plus security, uh, the off- resource officers and stuff. Your initial thoughts?
1: Well, I think it's interesting just looking at this um, chart that you have. Like, one of the topics, like you had mentioned, um, faculty and staff wearing badges. But then that there's 16.2% of high schools that require their students to wear a badge or picture ID. I find that interesting. I teach an elective, as you know. I don't necessarily see every student. So, it would, um, that that would be helpful
0: for me. I'm not trying to minimize it, but when you say badge, I think of... Woody from Toy Story, like the sheriff badge. Like I, I think I How should wear one of those. I'm like, oh cool.
1: I have a button maker. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Why does surprise I, oh yeah. me. I have it a button maker. I would actually like to employ that. I think <laughs> it looks we, nice. we like to
2: think of the pot as a real catalyst for school change. That's that's, <laughs> that's really where this comes from. <laughs> but,
1: but, yes, <laughs> despite uh, this increased school spending on safety and security, it appears that the violent incidents are not decreasing. Uh, And that was probably the most important thing to me because according to the USA Today from an article published a little over a year ago that's titled No Easy Answers, violent incidents in schools have actually increased 113% during the past school year. Schools saw 279 violent incidents during the 17-18 school year, up from 131 the previous year, so doubled according to a study by the Educators School Safety Network, a national nonprofit school safety organization. The study, released August six found that the most frequent violent incidents was finding a gun on campus, followed by shootings and thwarted attacks. The study also found an increase in threats of violence in schools across the country with nearly 1,300 more threats made during the current school year compared to last year.
0: Wow. That blows my mind. Like 1,300 more Threats made in a school year up from
1: one just in one year's time, and those are just threats, right? Like, they're not just threats. I don't want to say it as if I'm downplaying it, but th- that's unbelievable to have that many.
0: So, in my mind, that makes it sound like something culturally, societally makes it seem to be okay, where people are like, It's okay for me to say these sort of things or to do these sort of things that threaten another person. That's just a very
2: unsettling very unsettling and, and, and it almost seems like I don't know I mean I I think we can sort of be a little more complacent about certain things the more we hear about them and I could just like, everyone just seems to get so des- desensitized like the more you hear about anything not just this topic but you know anytime sure. you hear something yeah. over and over and over again it's just like okay this is commonplace and how how awful that something so uh, you know like so uh, volatile like it could be that commonplace that's desensitizing
1: and my question is like are these something that we should be looking at as educators as cries for help right like are we are are there that many threats being made because the student making the threat needs some additional attention or guidance that this is their way of letting people know
2: well, and, and such a big part of our culture, too, that, you know, I, I know there's a big, you know, just from the, the media stuff uh, that we get into in, our, in some of my classes, like there's such a big push to not publicize or to not uh, elevate someone's persona and, and profile whenever they commit some sort of horrible right. act mm-hmm. because in a way it, it could inspire people to, to do that you know if, if notoriety is what they're seeking um, it might be inspiring uh, to, to folks like that and um, and it's such like I said it's such a big part of our culture now that if you know somebody who's impressionable and maybe you know like going through um, some things like they, they need that kind of help and they see that, oh, you know, I, I can get some attention by doing this out of the other thing. Um, it, it provides them a platform, which is why I know some media organizations have refused to show pictures of, the, of somebody who you know, commits an act or, um, or use their name and you know, focus on the victims and things like that.
0: And that's, for me, that's a, the tough line to call because people have done studies saying since Columbine with the now 24 hour news cycle and now the increase of social media, the awareness of it, like we want to know things. Yes. But what's the danger of knowing maybe too much or over, like right. you're saying over publicizing things. And I think at least from the media person like standpoint, that can be very difficult to know like what's appropriate or what should be reported, what details maybe shouldn't be.
1: Um, Well, it's interesting. In in additional research, according to Amy Klinger, who is the director of programs at the Educator School Safety Network, stated that the uptick, uptick cannot be traced back to a single cause. She said the main reason schools are seeing an increase in violence is because not enough preventative action is taken until it's too late. Her quote is that we're waiting until things are so bad that we have a perpetrator with a gun before we do something. If teachers do have training, it's in active shooter response. It's not in violence prevention, threat assessment, or being able to identify and intervene with individuals of concern.
0: And to kind of interject, I'm sure we all saw just even today over in California, outside of Los Angeles, there was another incident where um, a few people were victim. I believe one person did pass away at a, another school shooting. And so like you're saying, what she was pointing out, is it seemed to be, Maybe we're more reactive versus being proactive. Right. And unfortunately, it's a very sad something that even just happened you know, today in the news and what took place.
1: Well, I think what's helped being proactive is that in March, the House passed the STOP, S-T-O-P, School of Violence Act, to give over $1 billion to schools and local governments over the next decade uh, for violence prevention. The money would be used for metal detectors and other tools and programs. Dr. Drew Barsman, a child forensic psychiatrist at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, said training teachers on warning signs in students is critical to keep schools safe. Barsman said warning signs can range from subtle behavior changes, like becoming withdrawn, to actually making threats against teachers and fellow students. I don't think teachers know offhand what to look for right now, Barsman quotes. That's something we need to educate them about. Aaron. Do you think people going into education today think about all of the hats that teachers need to wear on a given day?
2: I I think they should. Um, I I mean, whether they are or not, I'm not sure. It depends on your program. Um, But I I think anybody training future teachers that's, that's worth their salt will be letting those folks know that it's more than just writing your lesson plan and Focusing on your assessments and, and things like that. I mean you you wear I mean, Teachers have always worn many many hats and right. some that you don't realize that they wear when you're a student but mm-hmm. um, when you're adding extra roles the teachers have to play these days like you know uh, crisis prevention crisis uh, uh, assessment and, and reaction and things like that um, it is uh, it, it's a lot and, and, and it's something that future teachers need to know Sadly comes with the territory now, but that's something that everybody that's in the profession needs to be prepared to take on Whenever the time comes
0: because you're correct I mean in our society today with the different pressures and different backgrounds for people when a lot of students go home Are they actually thinking about what I just taught them about the war of 1812 in history, right? Because in education we focus maybe on our content the different standards we have to meet depending on the subject matter the testing but there's so many factors in the lives of all these students that we come in contact with every day. And you're right, it is important whether they want to or not. Like People going into this field need to be aware that we have a lot of roles to play. Because we see these students so many hours, so many a day. Like We might see them in a week more than maybe family members that they have see right. them because of jobs or whatever. So that's just the reality of it.
1: There's more to teaching than just teaching.
0: Let's make a T-shirt.
1: Ooh.
0: If we
2: give it to our guests. Maybe. <laughs> well, um, on that topic of preventative measures, uh, one preventative measure that, that seems to be uh, getting a lot of traction, or at least a lot of discussion, um, and a lot of it since uh, the Parkland tragedy, uh, was the the idea and concept of arming teachers and staff in, in schools. Um, the NEA put out an article in April that states that uh, six states have either passed or proposed legislation allowing more firearms in schools, whether that's teachers or other staff. Um, Florida, Missouri, Montana, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Texas. So in Florida, Senate Bill 7030 has a provision to allow classroom teachers to be armed. This is called the Guardian Program. Um, Some of the provisions for that program are as follows. County sheriffs must now provide training if the school board approves the guardian program. Last year's bill required both the school board and the sheriff to approve the training. A school guardian will receive a one-time $500 stipend. So they're incentivizing, uh, you know, carrying a firearm at school uh, for faculty uh, with uh, money. Um, A guardian would have to take 144 hours of training compared to the 300 for a reading endorsement. Uh, Training would be in the following categories, 80 hours of firearms instruction based on the Law Enforcement Academy training model, 12 hours of diversity training, 16 hours of instruction in precision pistol, 8 hours of shooting instruction using state-of-the-art simulator exercises, 8 hours of instruction in active shooter scenarios, 8 hours of instruction in defensive tactics, and 12 hours of instruction in legal issues. one question that I might have right off the bat, I kind of want to see where you, you both stand on this is, where is that going to fit in to these folks' lives? Um, we're, you know the idea behind this is safety and preventative measures, and you know a lot can be said about that. But um, you know, I think a lot of times as teachers we feel like we are, you know, a, you know a little bit overwhelmed by you know like the number of obligations that we have in and out of the classroom. Um, How are these folks going to find the time for all of this training to do this properly?
1: I honestly, this guardian program being in, if you were, if you were one of those Florida teachers that experienced that event, I could see that they would absolutely make time, right? Because they we just said there's more to teaching than teaching. There's relationships that were built with these students and teachers have relationships with all of those students from Parkland specifically that were impacted so greatly and traumatized. And some of them obviously lost their lives. If we had gone through something like they had gone through, I feel like that's nothing to protect everyone, right? We have not experienced anything like that, thankfully, luckily, and, but for, for someone that can't foresee that that's a possibility, sure. I could see that that would be a lot of hours in time.
0: Right. I think an important thing to point out to the distinction is this is more, this is all voluntary, right? They're not forcing teachers to go through. So I think that's a whole other issue. So if people want to do it, and like you said, if you've gone through such a tragedy, right, the motivation would obviously be very very different, different. right?
2: Um, they also must uh, must pass psychological exams, drug tests um, they're subject to random drug tests and complete annual weapon inspection and firearms training. A guardian must complete the training to s- the satisfaction of the sheriff and must be approved by the superintendent um, and it is a third degree felony to act as a guardian without having the approval of the sheriff and superintendent um, just like, just r- rattling off those like that list of requirements Um you know, it's 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 easy to kind of even think, like, lose track of the, or lose sight of the fact that, like, oh, we're talking about teachers here. Like, th- like that all sounds, like, very
0: tactical and, like, law enforcement centric. Um, yeah. But even looking at that, now I'm thinking, only eight hours of shooting instruction using state-of-the-art simulator. Is that even enough? I don't know. Eight hours for this, eight hours for that. I mean, I know it is a lot when you add up all those hours, but how well prepared will you be after? I really don't know. Right. I,
2: I know, um, you know, in conversations with, with our school resource officer, he who you'll, you'll get to hear from here very soon, um, there are, you know, different precincts and different um, agencies have requirements as to how much they have to train and how often, and, and hopefully we'll hear from him on that in a little bit um apparently in practice there have been some bumps along the road in in training teachers to carry weapons so in a a september article um, in the south florida sun sentinel a recent lawsuit has been filed between palm beach county school district and private security firm invictus the school district's claiming that the firm used unqualified instructors past teachers uh, that, that unqualified instructors, rather, past teachers who did not meet the minimum requirements and that the firm is claiming the district owes it money from the agreed-upon contract. The lawsuit has uh, some believing any and all training going forward should be conducted through the sheriff's office, uh, Pinellas Sheriff Bob Galtieri said. I think it's a very important uh, argument that ambiguity should be removed from the statute and make it extremely clear that all this training for guardians of security uh, personnel be done by sheriffs. Um, Nate, what do you think about, uh, just like the, the whole concept of, of, arming teachers in today's education
0: world? I'm against it, but the, for me, having people, I mean, I don't distrust people who are trained to carry firearms, but having more guns in a school wouldn't make me feel safer. At least I, like you said, we will preface it by saying we haven't gone through with some of these horrific events. So from my experience, my life up into this point, that's just not my mentality from it. I have friends, they hunt, they have weapons. I've gone to shooting range with them. I'm pretty, I'll say I'm a pretty good shot at the shooting range. I'll pat myself on the back there. Uh, right, but, nice. but I don't want to carry a weapon at school. And I don't, will it, will it prevent things? Uh, I don't know. Because people make the argument, it's been on political circles and other places, like most mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. I'm not sure if any of you have heard that argument made by people. Uh, did some digging. There's arguments on both sides. Well, then there's loose definitions. Like, how are you defining a mass shooting? how are you defining a gun-free zone? And there's a little bit of ambiguity, even in the definitions there. Um, but I just think with teaching students, having to worry about maybe a, a student is just gonna, maybe they'll just take the weapon from me, right? Or I'm being jumped perhaps could be an issue. Or what if I'm, am I gonna carry a loaded gun around? Like is that is that how that would work and I'd have a loaded weapon on me? Like that would, for me personally, I think that would really impact just trying to teach and connect and you know work with the students Well,
1: and i think you bring up a good point about all of the requirements and the categories although it's a lot of hours when you add it up are they yearly hours or is that something that it's one and done that's yeah sure and in the event that i am trained this year right for example and god willing there's no incident and you know ever, will I remember those trainings? And then all of a sudden, here I am. And what if I make a mistake? What if I am, you know, jump the gun? So you will, right? Like, what if I make a decision in haste, because I don't have the training? It's Mm -hmm. not something that's in my mind every day. It's, you know, I'm here to educate, not to think about, how to react
2: and these things happen all the time like so we're talking about so first of all I wanted to circle back to like I, I also like was not at all trying to diminish um, the, the type of trauma felt by anybody that would have right. experienced anything like so horrific as Parkland that a certain hourly requirement of training would be something that they would even consider or think about or worry um, it, it just seemed like wow like, these are a lot of these are a lot of things like just to put a gun in a teacher's hand uh, and when you're looking at the way that law enforcement has been in, in the media, as far as like, you know, people are, uh, like victims are accidentally or, you know, in, in, the, in the heat of the moment shot sometimes, um, where like it makes big news because, you know, the, the, the argument is like, well, you know, th- these folks are trained, like, these, you know, police officers are trained and they have to go through all of this and, you know, certainly more training than a teacher would have in, in, in a capacity like this where in the heat of the moment, um, you know um, when, when a firearm goes off and it, it gets debated you know it like was was somebody uh, shot because um, you know the officer reacted in a certain way and it was you know the the reaction was short-sighted or or was it justifiable and these these are making major major headlines and these are major issues we deal with in society and these are people who are trained with firearms um, obviously something that they don't want to have to use but uh, like these are the people that we'd expect in our society to be using firearms. And like you said it before, Nate, like <laughs> and kind of in, in, jest, like, I'm a nervous guy sometimes about certain things, like it's stress, but like, do you want your reaction in a very, you know, like knee jerk moment or a heated moment or whatever to, to be the wrong one? Like it's right. the fact that that's even a possibility, Seems like it would exacerbate the problem, not solve it. Um, so I, I would agree. Like I, I, I could not uh, be more against that concept. And you bring up a good
0: point. I hadn't thought about it. Like police officers, their their lives, like their job, they're looking for things. You know, they're on, they're probably stre- not necessarily stressed out, but like they're on alert a lot on whether yeah. they're driving around, whatever. The, and how many times have mistakes been made? You're right, with people who are trained. This is their world, day in and day out. And now teachers who we're not looking. That's not our job. Is to be looking for these sort of things. So, like, how easy could it be for us to make a mistake? Right. If professionals can make mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once
2: and once uh, one school security measure that seems to be a common one, based on the, the numbers you just read off there, like a lot of schools, especially post, like secondary schools, have increased funding for cameras in schools. Ours is one of them. I'm like we've got more cameras in our schools. Those cameras aren't in our classrooms. Um, so ne- what's next? Body cameras for teachers? So because you know you're going to need some sort of accountability measure as soon as these guns are being used or if, and when, you know, uh, in the unlikely or the unfortunate event that a, the gun needs to be used, then what, you know, who's, whose word do we take there? You know, and that's something that law enforcement's trying to do to provide that public or to kind of, uh, reinstill that public trust in how and when firearms are being used. Like, are we, are we going to start, are we going to get into that level? Um, and, and how could you argue against that if that's the case? Like, you know, what are the odds that, that a gun's going to only be used in a camera-covered area, right? So, like, where, where does it stop? Like, at what point do we say, like, okay, we're we are secure? Uh, you know, that everybody's, you know, everybody that wants to be armed is armed, and you know, everything's going
0: to go smoothly now. That's a valid point. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of unknowns in that situation, and it seems it's like there could be, a, could be a lot of risk as well. Um, so, but I, again, people on both sides. I've talked to other folks. They feel safer knowing that more people have weapons. Other people say, well, no, it doesn't. And it's hard. You can argue both sides of it, but just from my perspective, I see that just isn't something that I would want for myself or feel comfortable with. We're going to get into this topic, too, uh, with with Officer Tom Liberty. So if you
2: stick with us, uh, we will be right back. The views and opinions expressed on Pod for Teacher are solely those of the authors and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Freedom Area High School or the Freedom Area School District. Any account of this podcast without the written consent of Brad Baldwin. I
0: really don't think he listens
1: anymore. I don't either. He never texted about the merch.
2: It's strictly prohibited.
1: We're joined now by our school resource officer, Officer Tom Liberty. T. Libs, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for
3: finally having me on the big broadcast.
0: Do I sense jealousy there? I don't know. Perhaps. Uh, First question. Are you ready? It's important. I was born ready, Nate. I always ask very silly questions to kind of ease us into these serious conversations. So, who's better, Batman or Superman? Oh, definitely Batman. And any reasons why? Because I am Batman.
2: Whoa. Whoa. Uh Who knew? The big reveal on the
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
3: going to be breaking news later today? <laughs> it sure is. WPXI.
0: Now, I did have a soft spot. I always have a soft spot for Batman because Superman, he, he's he got superpowers, right? But Batman, I feel like I could be Batman, right? If I had enough money and I wanted to break the law, I could do that. Isn't that what he does? Yeah, but is he really breaking the law? <laughs> he's helping. Well, you're he's serving officer, so I,
1: whatever you say. I guess we're not talking Truth. about
3: vigilantes
0: here. You know, I, I, but, uh, I
3: think he has that special power of get out a free jail
0: card. Is that called having enough money to do that? I'm so confused. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> well, sometimes we have to take a break from these really important questions to talk about other things when we have guests. <laughs> um, uh, just to kind of circle back to when we were young, like we were students, there were
0: no school resource officers. Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt like, you. That's a quick interrupt. I still am young. Thank you.
3: You you say that, you know, I've been out of school for over 26 years.
1: Out of high school?
3: Out of high school. Whoa.
1: You look great.
0: Thank you. You, you, Yeah, you'd never know. My gum almost shot out of my mouth on that one there. I should be chewing gum. The hairline
3: didn't give it away, huh? (laughs) No. Not at all.
0: It's one of those
2: ageless, ageless males. Um, So, yeah, when we were young, there were no school resource officers. And honestly kind of the thought of a a police officer in a school was kind of a foreign concept Um, today they're every bit as visible as any other staff member so how do you believe that the increase in police presence in our schools has impacted students staff in our community
3: I think having the the officer inside the school has greatly impacted the community and the school district by just simply building that relationship and the kids see that hey that police officer driving past in the police car He's really not a a a, a, a hard guy. I'll try to keep his in for you. <laughs> so I, I think being here every day and building relationships with the kids, and they get to see the same person every day, over and over, just like with a teacher. Like get that rapport, get that. Uh, being able to know that if you have an you're having a problem, you, there's another face and another body to come talk to.
0: Are you saying there's some stereotypes associated with police officers sometimes that you try to overcome?
3: All the time. I, I, you know, I, I do love donuts. I'm <laughs> starting to like
0: coffee. Now day. we're talking. Now we're talking.
1: <laughs> Don't we all? Oh, funny. So, well, it's hard to comprehend, actually, when you think about it. And you, you mentioned you've been out of high school for 25 years. But there have been more school shootings in the 20 years since the horrific attack at Columbine than in the twenty years prior to it, uh, why do you think that is? I think one of the
3: the main reasons is I think people, kids nowadays, have seen the the notoriety that you get out of these shootings, you know, after it happens, and I, I think they just get to the point where their their mental capacity is is overrun overrun with uh, with stuff they don't know how to handle and talk to and deal with, and I think the thing they see is what happens after this that somebody does one of these horrific
1: uh, events. So that brings me to my next point. Um, obviously we are with students every single day, all day. So what, is I mean, Is there any warning sign or anything we should be looking for? Or I know there's videos that they show, you know, geez, all of this was happening in the background, you weren't paying attention. And I, when they look at the school shooters that they've been able to interview after the fact. You learn more after, sadly. So what do you think we should be?
3: I think you just need to, we need to identify the kids that are having emotional problems at, at home, coming from broken homes, uh, the loners, uh, the, the, the the kids that are sitting there at lunch and looking at the uh, YouTube videos of different uh, incidents, mass incidents and, and programs like that. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's just a matter of getting those kids the mental health treatment that they need.
0: And speaking of that, I'm just curious, is it tif- difficult to um, perhaps walk the fine line? Yeah, you want to look out for things, but then do you run the risk of, oh, they have this sort of situation going on, but then stereotyping people who might be going through, you know, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but I think yeah. sometimes you say, oh, they have a rough home life, so maybe we're going to be more concerned about them. Or like, And that puts like an undue maybe negative umbrella like cloud over that person I don't know if that makes sense when it, I'm trying to get it know, that
3: makes perfect sense and I think that happens a lot not only in, in Freedom freedoms school district but in every school district with the amount of shootings that are happening now I, I you can't help but err on that side of you know if the warning sign, if one warning sign is there I think that needs addressed and you need to make sure that kid or person gets into the the system and gets some support before things escalate
0: now a lot of different things that happen to try and improve school security. One specific issue that we've talked about a little earlier, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. You've f- seen firsthand the effects of guns, you know, both positive and negative, how people use them in society. How do you feel about the idea of arming teachers? Because we know that's been like debated, certain legislation has been passed in other states like Florida. So your thoughts as an officer of the law? I totally believe it should not
3: happen. Um, and a couple reasons why, Uh, My police department, uh, our standard policy is that we qualify with our weapons uh, quarterly each year. The Pennsylvania State Police Commission requires one time. Uh, So our department, we're very lucky that we get that training, um, even if it's not required. Um, Plus, you know, the amount of training a police officer goes through in identifying the use of deadly force, the use of excessive force, uh, the liability factor of it. I, I don't think the school any a school district would be willing to take that on personally um, and it's not that I don't think the teacher would be qualified to do it to use the weapon to carry it that's a big thing you're taking into your own your hands and you, know, you got we're educators and I think putting that extra stress and training and responsibility on into the teacher I don't think it's worth it
1: Now, do you believe that if there is a teacher who is interested in a quarterly training or perhaps is, you know, into rifle or range shooting, I should say, um, that if there were teachers that were interested in taking that on, would you still feel the same way? I would. Um,
3: Thankfully, in in 20 years of law enforcement, I've never even had to draw my gun. Um, That's good. And I... I fear that day, if it ever comes, before I retire, and uh, you know, my, I just I don't think it's the risk is worth it arming teachers right now.
0: And I do think it kind of falls under like there's two camps here, right? Because I think it's hard to argue one over the other. But some people maybe feel safer if they know that there are there is more maybe firearms around unqualified people, and other people if they know there's more weapons, maybe they actually feel less safe. And how do you say which camp is right and which camp is wrong? I think that is where maybe a big debate over the whole issue could be too. It, it, and I think the biggest factor that would
3: play into it if they would come and if Freda would say, you know, we're, we're thinking about arming a teacher, I, I think the liability would be the biggest uh, deterrent or the biggest holdup in stopping the whole process. Um, it's that's a, It's a big thing to be responsible to educate a kid for four years. It's... It's a bigger thing to to make that split-section decision Do i have to take this life and i i don't feel one i don't feel the district where any teacher would really want to have to put be put in that position and
0: that's that's how i my where i come from now we all know fitz pretty well he seems to be a fairly stressed out individual already (laughs) i'm trying to envision if he if he had was armed during a day as well i don't know if that would if that would help his mental state at all or not, I'm not sure. You, you just walk into his room and he's just sitting at his desk, and he has what is it? The uh, we'll call it the RSF, the resting stress face. Is that is that what he? he oh my on. god!
1: I don't even know what to say
0: right <laughs> now. You just gotta let him burn himself out. I mean, it, that's it. He gets I, tired eventually. That's not it's true. Quiet. When have I ever gotten tired? Um, so besides that, though, besides some of these uh, physical features, you know, like video cameras automatic locking doors, metal detectors perhaps at some areas, resource officers like yourself. Besides these physical security measures, what other methods do you think are helpful in promoting school safety? Because it doesn't just have to be about guns. Right? We're talking about school safety in general. Um, it could be a little wider of a topic. I, I, I think the, the main thing is education and
3: uh, training and identifying the, the at-risk students. Um, and I, I, I think here at Freedom, I think we're doing a good job of Uh, implementing new safety measures every day every week month I I just think we didn't continue that pace and I think and I know for a fact a lot of the school districts that have SROs here in Beaver County it's and that's what we're doing and I I really have very high confidence in uh, all the school districts here in the county that have an SRO in their buildings
1: that was actually going to be my question Um, for the other schools in the county like do you have a consortium of the other School resource officers, where you share I like that word. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Um, where you share best practices, or obviously, I know you've done research on um, additional safety measures that are being implemented. Is that across the county, or is that just you? Actually, uh, I think it was two years ago. Uh, myself
3: and Jason Woods, he's the SRO for Ambridge School District, the elementary and middle school in Economy. And we actually got together after the Parkland, Florida shooting, and we sat and we, you know, there's 17 school resource officers here in, in the district, and why aren't we meeting throughout the year and coming up with different things and sharing information? So actually we do meet as a group about twice a year during the school year.
1: Good to
3: know. And also uh, myself and Dr. Fuller were part of the Safe School Coalition through the IU
1: with okay through the county now your time in the district how many years this will be my seventh year here at freedom now do you keep data on violence and safety and whether it's increased or decreased
3: we uh we keep a record or a data on the amount of police incidents that we handle and criminal arrests throughout the district um was there anything
1: before that i don't before you came i don't believe so
3: so, and again, before I got here, it was, yeah, the police will call when we need them. And, you know, every once in a while we'll drive through the parking lot and say hi.
1: Okay.
2: Wait, did you say that you've noticed like a like an increase or decrease in, in, a, in incidents since you've been on board?
3: Uh, for about the first four years, things decreased. Um, and then the county came up with a new policy where anytime there's some kind of incident in a school, we try to make an arrest and get that subject into the juvenile court system. a lot of people think we're doing that because we just want to get them in there and make the arrest. and hey look look what we're doing we're saving reducing crime but what we're actually trying to do is try to get them in mental health uh, treatment get it mandated through the courts so we know that they're actually it's being mandated they're showing up they're participating and getting rehabilitation um so like in
2: recent years I know precincts across the country have been making strides to uh, improve police community relations in a number of ways in an effort to help the public. See officers, like you said before, as like not a threat, but as more of an essential part of the community, like a helpful part of the community. Um, the, do you feel like your role um, as an SRO has helped improve those optics in our community?
3: I think it has, um, I, re- I really do. Um, last year was a, a very good year for me. Uh, there was a, a student that you know, we made that connection and we continued to be friends and after graduation. And it's kind of like you guys when your seniors graduate and everybody's come back and wanting to see you. So, I mean, I, I, I do think we are making a difference. I really do. That's
2: it's interesting. Like, I was just going you know, to just to follow up. Like, it's interesting that, like, the reason that SROs were implemented were for school safety. The unforeseen thing at the time was that, like, you like, yeah, you know, as we're talking about this topic, that, um, you know, there, there have been, some, there has been some tension across the country with you know with with the way that the that police uh, and uh, reviewed and probably one of those things it's just like it's an added bonus to the whole process like hey you know we didn't expect this to be part of it but this does seem to help uh, kind of strengthen that bond that maybe eliminates some of that stigma and some of those stereotypes
0: Yeah, absolutely absolutely Kind of going back to uh, the measures that are in place, one area, too, is we do, like, different a- areas do different drills. You know, we kind of go through things. And I know that's up for debate, too, because some states and other areas, they go through more extreme measures. Other ones are like, well, what kind of effect does it have on like, younger kids? Like, how in detail? So I'm just curious from, um, you know, your side of it, what you see, the... The pros, you know, for what we go through, con any of the negatives, but obviously you know we need to be proactive in some of these areas. So I was curious your thoughts on that. Do you mean
2: like like incorporating like including students as part of the training, right? As right, well? right, because they've done stuff like some some schools uh, choose to do, it right. and Some don't, because yeah, of, and right.
0: some are like, well, should second graders be through those? Because then there's stories and reports. Now that my my kids never even used to use the bathroom on a normal day because of the training that they had. Right? Oh, the, so I'm just those sort of factors, I guess. I, I was a big, I was really against sharing
3: our procedures with the students, Uh, for the simple fact is studies have shown that that person that's gonna come in and do do harm to us is gonna be somebody from our family. Uh, But I think the more the kids know what to expect and what will happen, one, it helps us out and get the incident under control, and two, it, it shows that person what you're gonna be up against when you come into our schools and you wanna do harm to us. Uh, as far as the elementary school kids, um, I think they should get the same training and they should participate in the same drill. However, I think you have to take it into the, uh, the consideration of they are young kids. And if you give them too much, that, that it's going to be in their mind and it could actually end up hurting us. So actually the way we're, we do it here in Freedom, I, I, I kind of agree with it. I like the process.
0: Well, Thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you joining us today and answering our questions as we have thought deeply about this topic.
0: Oh, oh, one more follow I just I messed with the whole flow. Any advice you have for us? Anything that you see on our end that we could be doing as educators? Besides, and obviously you said look for warning signs. Is that the biggest thing? Or are there other things that you can say, hey, I think that maybe this would help out in the area overall? No, I, th- I, think, I think we're
3: doing a great job here in the district, and I have... Really, no complaints anywhere from the middle school to the high school to the elementary school, and you know it's a, it's a team effort. And you know, you guys are here to educate the kids, and I'm here to, to help keep them safe and provide any kind of life lessons that you know they're going to face once they leave Freedom.
2: Well, yeah, thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. Um, yes, thank you very much. When we come back, our exit ticket and final thoughts. I got one question before we go to to a break here. Oh, Oh, yeah,
1: we did not. Yeah, sorry. Do you have any questions for us? We love questions. There was
3: a nice green shirt that appeared here after the last broadcast. (laughs) How would one come about to to get one of those shirts? You got to know someone.
1: You really do. You really do.
3: Yeah, I thought I knew a lot of people. (laughs) I guess I don't know the right
0: people. And if there are others out there who are interested,
1: So, are you suggesting it should be a, like a free gift or oh, a free parting gift? That, that's a good. Thought. I mean, a oh. lot of
3: times, like on sports shows, a like a Ruth Chris dinner. Oh
1: well, oh, well, I can't can't give you that, uh, you know. But but I perhaps teacher, could. Teacher's
2: salaries is going to be like a whole new episode we can get into another time. <laughs> if if you get a
0: free shirt, do we get free tasers? uh maybe not a free taser <laughs> yeah. you, he, can, you can get will, a free
3: taser you uh, oh, will freely taser you
2: i'll see what so i can do so now we're never now we're never going to know if we're, if we're obtaining our guests through you know natural means or if they or just if want, you know, want the merch there's,
1: there's nothing right. there
0: but hey, it's all but, about the swag yeah. maybe, <laughs> as k mills knows too like, as parents bribery sometimes works you know so that's like, it the, it does it does it does
1: Whatever I'll I see takes. what I can do. <laughs> All,
3: right. All right, folks. Thanks very much. I appreciate you. Thank some. you.
1: Thanks, right. Tom.
0: We'll be back. Stick around. Love for Teacher is sponsored by Purell. Because, honestly, who wants to always use soap?
1: Today we have discussed a very important topic. And now it's time to reflect. So what have we learned?
2: Um, It's a very... I think it's just a very, such a heavy topic that depending on what angle, uh, what perspective, um, and you know, what, what experience level you're coming from, um, it could really inform, um, like your, your feelings on, on the issue. Um, and not just, you know, whether teachers should be armed with things like that, you know, obviously it's in, it, it's our, in our best interest that we are uh, protecting our students. That we are safe at work. That our administrators are safe. That uh, I mean, a lot goes into, it. and it's more than just safety in general. Like that's really going to impact how people learn, how people do their jobs. I mean, you have to feel comfortable to be able to do any of those things well. Um, and I don't think that that there is a cure-all. There's not a one-size-fits-all method. Like pretty much like anything in education, uh, that that will. Kind of rectify the issues that we experience. I think that you know each school, each district might need to make uh, their own assessments, figure out what works for them, and, and kind of go from there. But uh, the biggest thing I learned is that this never ends. Uh, we just we you know we adjust with society, we adjust with the the threats and the concerns that are that are present in our world, and um, we got to do whatever we can to kind of keep everybody safe and and to to move
0: forward. I learned just reflecting on the interview there. That I say just curious a lot? Hmm. If you if you play back the tape, go ahead. You'll, you'll notice. You'll pick up on it. The See Tape. It? The, the tape. tape. Yeah. The, the tape. tape. Roll, roll the tape. You didn't. You
2: haven't realized we've been
0: recording on cassette tape
1: <laughs> this they? whole time. I, I didn't. I didn't.
0: But I I reflect on because mannerisms. Mannerisms often, and that was one that. Started. So I'm gonna be very conscious now. I'm gonna try and catch myself as I say just curious. But I agree with you on the issue. It is a very prevalent one. Uh, it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. But I will say, for me personally, I feel safe at school. Like I feel safe coming to work. I don't. Maybe other people feel differently, but I don't think any of us want to walk around a state of constant fear, like of paranoia, being worried about this. And for me personally, like what we've done here, what I see being done in the community, what I what I know the, the different trainings we've been through. I'm. I feel safe. I know nothing is invincible. I know like, things happen. Can happen anywhere, anytime. Right. But for me personally, that's what I take away. And that it is. We do talk a lot about we prepare for maybe mass shooters and stuff. But school safety is a very big umbrella. It could be we mentioned threats earlier that are being made. Just being being more in tune, just being aware of these, and then taking necessary steps instead of just ignoring any warning signs, any concerns that we have, addressing them, taking that next step, being a little bit more proactive, like we talked about earlier, and in the show, uh, I think that's just a good reminder for all of us. And if we have, if we said anything that you don't like, you can call us at five, five, five.
2: That is a really good point though. Cause like, if you figure, you know, we know terrorism is a real threat in our world today, unfortunately, right. but we don't stop going to concerts and ball right. games and festivals and parades and things like that. We don't let it control our lives. So like, I, I would agree with you, Nate. Like I also feel safe when I come to school and the only time, uh, when these things kind of pop into my head, or when we're doing drills and trainings and articles, and you know things are happening out in the world, and, and they're they're back on your radar. Because if you let that consume you, um, you're also not going to be as effective, and you're you know you're not going to be comfortable enough to do your job.
0: Right. And, and on the flip side, you don't live in d- denial either. Like we're aware that these things are going oh, on. We're aware well, that there's that possibilities. You know, but yeah. it's not letting us control or you know dictate everything.
1: Knowledge is power in that sense. But I do think that. I mean, I also feel safe coming. I feel safe that we have a school resource officer. I feel secure and safe in the trainings that we have. I think a lot of this, um, when you said, meant you know, trying to focus on the mannerisms or look to, I can't say identify students that are potentials, but I think some of the things that we've already employed as a district are helping to contact each student, to let them know that they're important, to let them know that we are here in order to talk, to communicate with. And that really goes back to even our mental health discussion, which I think is all tied in.
2: Right. Yeah, like, like even, you know, when you're talking about how, you know, sometimes it, it can be perceived as a, like a negative thing to like, identify individual students. It's sometimes things that we, that we are doing that we can do, um, that are preventative in nature without seeming like they're connected to safety or anything, right, anything sure. of that magnitude is basically like showing people they matter, right, um, yeah. you know, and, and
0: being there for the people that, that need to be. Yeah. You see somebody, maybe they're a little down to like just going over there and saying an encouraging word like those sort of. Like those small level proactive steps, obviously we do bigger level things too, but just in like our daily interactions, I I would agree with that. Absolutely.
2: Well, for more information on school safety and the many components that go into it, visit the National Center on Safe Supportive Learning Environments at safesupportivelearning.ed.gov.
1: That's all the time we have for today. We'd like to thank Officer Tom Liberty for joining us. Follow us on Twitter us? At, us? at for teacher. <laughs> you can follow Aaron at a Fitzpatrick, CJE, and Nate at N Langelli, uh, and you explore- Kristen oh, oh. at K Milanovic. No, Th- is this
0: the big reveal? This
1: is a big reveal. Do we have like
0: a do we have like a cake we can kind of do to see is the icing ex- colors? Wait, 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 so like, like- my
1: like- surprise, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, at K Milanovic, wow. tweet that. Tweet it That's at. right. Do you want to, I'm
0: sorry. Do you want to say? Maybe people don't know. Do you know? Do you know what the CJE stands for on his handle there? Do you know K Mills? What that I don't. For? See, I, I think the world shouldn't. Like, what? Why is he just throwing random letters on the end of his name? The C stands for cute. Well, everybody knows that. Cuddly. I thought cuddly.
2: Uh, the J stands for jangly.
1: <laughs> what?
2: Too many keys? It's not a word. It's not kind of a jangly old walk. No, that a, would be yeah. like
0: What? Okay. I guess maybe you can Google CJ's here that stands for
2: I will. And E stands for... Enthusiastic. <laughs> yes. Is that? Is this like the...
0: the... Cute
1: jangly enthusi- enthusiast. Is this Ooh. like the... Who's Ooh. saying that
0: L is for the way you look? Is that Nat King Cole? Is that one of his songs? L is for
2: the Either Nat King Cole or Tony Bennett. I don't know. I don't They're remember. Singing.
0: CJA stands for Certified Journalism Educator. Oh, she was looking. She was going to Google it. You just stole her thought.
1: No, just kidding. Pretty great. Mm, yeah. I don't have that. Anytime it's you know, really you can still teach It's going to be about. Google certified soon. <laughs> well, Nailed it. Yes. 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 Yep. Congrats. So please subscribe and rate. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you have found our pod. Reviews help more people find us and connect, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and have a very happy Thanksgiving. Eat that turkey. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye
0: bye.